Namaste. So as part of the collected works of Sri we take up today um, Savitri, which is volume 33 and 34. Um, the This is, uh, so much has been said about Savitri and so much can be said and will be said. Uh, maybe mankind will take a few hundred years to really understand its importance and relevance. Though the story is as old as the Vedic cycle and is recounted in the Mahabharata, when Yudhishthir puts a question to Markandi Rishi, and the question is uh, intertwined with the question of human destiny and fate. So all that he asks is, after they have lost the game of dice, knowing Draupadi's great humiliation and everything they have lost, and basically the question is, has anyone ever met with such an adverse fate as Draupadi has? And Markandi Rishi says, yes, there is someone who has met with the fate even more worse and conquered it. So essentially, if we look at the story as recounted in uh, this uh, the Mahabharata and also in certain Puranas like the Brahma Vaivartha Puran, so the story is about conjugal love conquering death. And it seems very simple. There are just about uh, three main characters, Savitri, Satyavan and death. And of course, Savitri's parents and Satyavan's parents, they also figure in the scheme of things. So the story goes that um, basically Ashupati, who is father of Savitri, he does a putra kameshti yagya. So he does a yagya to have a child to continue the progeny. And uh, he prays to the sun god. But sun god in the form of Savitra, which is where, you know, the, the Savitra is that aspect of the sun as it's emerging out of the darkness. So, as the legend goes, that when he prays, the sun god is happy and sun god comes and blesses him with the birth of something of his own portion. And that portion is Savitri. So why does he pray? It seems that, you know, uh, it's just to have a progeny to continue the empire. But that's not how the ancient civilizations conceived it. It was to continue a certain work that the rishis and the kings were doing upon earth as representatives of the divine in their own right. Now, of course, we have very few rishis and hardly any kings who are doing the work as a representative of the divine. Though, as the age changes, things would change. They are already changing, but that's a different story altogether. So Savitri is born and she grows up. And then one day when she comes of age, she is asked by her father to go and find the person who would be worthy of being with her. So this is how we know that in ancient India, this was the way through which um, the bride selected the groom through Swambar. She had the choice. So she goes and there she finds Satyavan. And when Satyavan, she selects, she is very happy. Satyavan is son of um, Dumat Sen and um, he was once a king. His father was once a king but he became blind and therefore he was outcast from the kingdom. There was a conspiracy and ultimately he was living in the forest. And Satyavan has grown up in the forest. So she chooses a forest dweller as a husband. And she comes back. And when she comes back, she conveys the same to her parents 
and at that moment as it so happens that narad the celestial sage the man divine who was once a man but had acquired the status of a sage who could travel to the other world so he is a demigod and he comes and uh, they both uh, parents of savitri ask him about the future of savitri and ask for the blessings and narad blesses but there is a hesitation in his voice and when probed he says that well there could be no further better groom than satyavan for savitri he is a gem and a jewel among men but there is only one problem and that one problem is that after one year satyavan is going to die so savitri has a choice she could go back and reverse the choice change a choice that's what uh, her mother advises her but savitri stays steadfast with her choice and instant she takes the challenge of fate and the challenge of death so when we look into the story what is death death represents the strange fate of the immortal soul as it passes through earth so repeatedly it passes through the doors of death of course we know the soul is immortal it comes back it grows but yet death itself why should it have to undergo through death why not why can't it blossom beautifully uh, without degeneration without decay without disintegration of the bodily life of course the soul doesn't uh, go through these stages but because it's in the body so it must pass through these stages of the bodily life bear them endure them and then eventually it would uh, come back again in new body so uh, when in the story we see that savitri takes the challenge of death it is basically the challenge of all the forces that are the ones which are ultimately leading to death and disintegration of life and it's not just about life all the beautiful things we dream and hope and build so it's all about fate so it's not just death but all the forces that we fate and as we know this fate is pretty ambiguous it is written in double terms dubious terms we don't know what is really good for us and we don't know what is waiting for us around the corner so in this story we see savitri taking the challenge of death and fate so if death is woven by a set of forces uh, whose names are doubt depression despair despondency pessimism as the mother says distrust so similarly savitri embodies the ultimate force of light and she and and these are forces of beauty light love truth and she comes armed with these forces to take the challenge of death and fate so through this legion in the tradition story savitri wins death by convincing him that satyavan must be released because it is not the dharma that he is following and then eventually we know that she asks for certain boons and among the boons are progeny and uh, when she is granted the boon then she tells death i can't have a child without my husband and then death is very impressed that she is steadfast in dharma so here we get the first clue of the power over death the first clue is that one must lead a life steadfast in dharma so dharma in the indian thought has a very wide connotation it's not about do's and don'ts about rituals about these practices or that practice dharma is to remain steadfast with the truth as it evolves and unfolds in our life so that's a big challenging task and because savitri is steadfast in dharma she could have gone back and said okay i am happy that i have got the boon of progeny i'll marry someone else and i'll have a progeny 
बट शी रिमेन्स स्टेट फास्ट इन द धर्म ऑफ लव एंड देयर फोर डेथ कंसीड्स बट देर आर मेनी अदर एस्पेक्ट्स ऑफ द स्टोरी विच आउटसाइड ऑन द ऑन द आउटसाइड इट लुक्स लाइक ए वेरी सिंपल स्टोरी बट डीप विद इन देर आर मेनी मेनी डीपर ट्रूथ्स विच आर हिडन लाइक मोस्ट ऑफ द स्टोरीज ऑफ इंडियन मिथ्स एंड लीजेंड्स एंड दिस वन ऑफ दैम एंड शिविंदो चोज दिस स्टोरी टू बिल्ड अपॉन इट और वीव थ्रू इट अ वंडरफुल एपिक ऑफ ह्यूमन लाइफ ऑन अर्थ ऑफ क्रिएशन ऑफ द स्टोरी ऑफ ह्यूमन सोल एज इट पासिस थ्रू ऑल द चैलेंजेस बाई फेट सो बेसिकली इट्स अ स्टोरी ऑफ हाउ वी कैन कॉन कर फेट सो हाउ वी कैन कॉन कर फेट ऑफकोर्स वी ऑल नो दैट वी आर वेरी हैप्पी वैन वी हैव अ प्लेजेंट फेट एंड वी डोंट लाइक वैन वी हैव अ पेनफुल इवेंट क्रॉसिंग अ लाइफ बट दिस विशफुल थिंकिंग इज नॉट द वे द वे दैट सावित्री शोज अस इज बाय एंगेजिंग इन योगा a power greater than the forces of fate a power greater than that of death a power greater than that of evil can conquer it and that power which savitri comes armed with that power which can conquer evil shubindo uh, affirms is the power of love love is the victorious power which can transform evil so even the heart of death death is pitiless he doesn't care for human feelings and yet human feelings human emotions human love has the potential in it to be transmuted into its original source from the source that is the divine love so every human uh, capacity that we have is a shadow of the divine uh, powers which are there in the origin and we can transmute these capacities and thereby become a divine humanity and if we can transmute these capacities they are raw material given to us then we can uh, master fate and master death so uh, we look at life this way that it's a challenge that life throws at us and we are armed with a very precarious strength we have very little we have human hope human faith human love human uh, we have a wish list human knowledge human power but they are very very limited we all know that and when this challenge comes there are two courses that human beings take one is that they break down they break down before the inevitability of fate and accept that well nothing can be done they sometimes of course blame blaming is the easiest thing and god to blame god is the easiest of all because poor fellow he can't uh, tell you he has to take the buck stops there and shubindo admits he says ultimately because uh, man's free will is a very limited will so ultimately it goes back to the creator he doesn't pass the responsibility to man the responsibility ultimately rests with the creator but then what is the game going on here so this shobindo explains beautifully through the entire epic so what is going on here upon earth in this creation is an evolutionary process earth is the only place where um, uh, you know it's it shobindo uses the word laboratory where an evolutionary grand experiment is going on nowhere else so there are gods they live in their splendor in the tribal worlds they are the demons they live full of their you know jealousies and anger in their own worlds but man though he is a god but he is fallen here into half human half a cross between the demigod and the beast with tendencies of asura with possibilities of a godhead with um, half human half beast like origin struggling even for survival but in through the human being there is the possibility of souls direct contact with the supreme that means human beings can not only go beyond the gods they can become one with the divine and this exceptional possibility 
needs an evolutionary journey and the reason is very simple because if we have to become one with the supreme we should be ready to bear all that the supreme can bear and does bear for instance we we hear stories where the supreme takes the entire suffering of earth into himself we uh, we break down even with a little suffering look at savitri what an inspiring story it is that uh, instead of breaking down she steals her will and uh, she does a whole tapasya a whole yoga which arms her to take the challenge of death and in how many days uh, savitri does the tapasya according to the legend in just 3 days 3 nights and with this intense arduous tapasya she is armed with the capacity to take the challenge of fate and death so all the challenges of life all the challenges that fate imposes upon us actually it's a mask behind the mask we can uh, understand that the play is basically that challenge is given to us to bring out our own powers it's not something which is uh, meant to harm us permanently nothing can harm the human soul permanently because it's immortal things will come and go even death cannot harm it permanently because we come from the realm of light and death is a passage not a stumbling stride the soul must take uh, towards its recovering its own immortality its own divine status but yes these challenges come so that we can bring out of ourselves a greater possibility greater power and eventually greater destiny so this what the story is about and uh, in uh, shobindo's epic poem savitri he uses this story with his masterly touch and elevates it to a cosmic poem uh, not just an epic but uh, if i may use a comparison the comparisons are never very good if the geeta is a celestial song which liberates us it's true that if one really reads the geeta it is a liberating effect geeta can liberate us from so much fear death will have no meaning for anyone who has read the geeta and this is a experience to have that after having read the geeta one cannot ever feel that there is the reality of death it takes away the reality of death uh, so geeta liberates us from all fear and uh, if if geeta is the celestial song of krishna the god so savitri is the celestial song of shurbindo and uh, its effect is not only liberative but transformative so geeta liberates us and uh, savitri transforms us because as we go through savitri it begins to pick up those elements in our nature because in savitri the entire panorama of human life is represented including the densest darkness and the highest light and all that lies in between so as we go through the pages each of these elements we are as if shobindo is holding our hand and taking us through a journey through a tour the cosmos if i may put it but with the hand of god holding us and as he takes us through the journey all these elements somewhere are touched one way or the other and touched by the light they wake up they they have their own process journey and ultimately they change and can get transmuted this is the occult way through which savitri has been designed and that's why the mother said that those who read savitri regularly Uh, it alone is sufficient to take us to the highest realizations of the yoga uh, of transformation so this what this grand epic is and we see that it is in two volumes volume 1 and volume 2 from the collected works so today we'll just take part 1 which is volume 1 volume 1 consists of book 1 book 2 book 3 total number of books are book 12 which is very interesting 12 is the number of the divine mother so book 1 book 2 book 3 and these three books primarily deal with the yoga of ashupati and uh, ashupati is engaged in a yoga 
to bring down the divine mother herself on earth because he experiences the pain and suffering of mankind so here again we see in savitri a very interesting departure of sort from today's present day traditional understanding of life even in spiritual terms so we all know that life is of course um, uh, not only a challenge but it can be very unpredict it is unpredictable the only predictable thing about life is its uh, unpredictability and the only certain thing about life is its uncertainty so it is the way it is uh, where hopes and dreams can crash in a moment where things can suddenly build up also magically so that's what life is about and seeing its dubious nature and seeing the collapse of everything inevitably eventually in death and old age and death there are mystics who speak about um, whole life being a field of suffering and escape from this zone of suffering as the only way out uh, but uh, there is another line in indian tradition as we see in savitri as we see in the great vedic tradition and which shorbindo represent the gita itself represent that and it says no take the challenge of life and change it to whatever extent you can change every little inch of an effort is worthwhile because ultimately life comes from the divine and one day it will release the divine force the divine power the divine being who is hidden in its behind its coverings so but this release of the divinity is not by tearing the covers of life this is what Uh, the traditional yoga does it tears the covering so one goes in back to the to the divine from where one has come but in shobindo's yoga these layers have to be transformed so one doesn't tear away the covering but goes through life taking all the things apparently good and apparently bad offering them and changing them into the divine equivalent so this is the journey the first part of the yoga of course it's a book of yoga so there are three yogas in savitri the yoga of ashupati which we see in book 1 book 2 book 3 and this yoga of ashupati is meant to bring down the divine grace and divine love upon earth then book 4 5 6 so we have these three three things coming up so book 1 to 3 is yoga of ashupati book 4 5 6 is the divine mother's coming and with her coming automatically a kind of yoga starts in earth and book 5 is love and book 6 is fate very beautifully they are poised between two uh, super yogas uh, that we see here so what is this love love is the power of the divine upon earth and it is the savior power and without which earth would actually not even be worth living so shobindo speaks of this power has the ultimate absolute capacity to change things but here it is struggling it has been deformed debased we all know that it has it's at the mercy of uh, all the lower vital and uh, human ignorance what it turns into uh, we need not speak about it jealousies and hatreds and positions and lust and uh, everything that uh, love is not and yet this power is struggling it is the power which is lifting man out of the abyss in fact creation out of the abyss to take it to the supreme and it's very easy to understand it uh, from many uh, points of views but uh, we need not enter into that so love is the power so book of love is about that power that savitri has got with her and satyavan is the human soul struggling in ignorance but fate has led satyavan to a point where there is a possibility of change of his destiny so the message of one of the message of savitri is destiny can be changed there is nothing like fixed fate fate cannot be changed no but how it can change now satyavan is among those few fortunate ones 
who comes in contact with Savitri. Savitri is none else but the Divine Mother incarnate. But this coming in contact sets into motion a new process. And that process is contact, then union, then the betrothal, the divine marriage, mystic marriage of the human soul with the divine. And with that marriage opens the door of possibility because when a soul gives itself completely to the divine and the divine accepts that, then from that point onwards we see that a new uh, law begins to operate in human life, which is no more just that law of death. So for some time we will see both these things run parallel. But in proportion as the human gives itself to the divine, the divine law in that proportion begins to more and more operate in the human life and everything begins to change. So in Satyavan's life, because Satyavan has given himself completely, so Savitri also takes entire burden of Satyavan's fate completely. And so after book 6, from book 7, 8, 9, so here we see a third yoga which takes place. Book 7 is... Uh, or the second yoga, book 7 is the yoga of uh, Savitri. So book 1, 2, 3 is yoga of Ashipati. Book 7 is the yoga of Savitri where she equips herself to meet the challenge of death and fate. Here we have a pointer that if we really want to take the challenge of fate and death and destiny, we must turn more and more inward to come more and more in contact with the divine power which is within us. So that's what Savitri does and it's the way that she has shown to man. Then we have book 8 and 9 and 10 which is a yoga where Savitri takes the challenge of death. This is a yoga which is going on in earth from uh, uh, time immemorial since the time human beings have been struggling or rather since creation has been struggling with the inconscience which has a tendency to pull it back. So Savitri is that light which has been working upon earth to lift man, lift creation out of this darkness, slowly, step by step. And why it is step by step? Because if suddenly creation is exposed to that tremendous power, it will just burn off. I mean, Shobindu starts Savitri that way, that uh, earth rotates around the sun. Uh, around a light, she must not dare to touch because it's too powerful. So it's a slow process. So there is a whole evolutionary process through which steps and stages we are taken till we can manifest the divine who is hidden within us. So that is essentially a yoga which goes on within the human heart, within human beings, first in a sample of humanity which have given themselves to the divine and then in book 11 we see that this whole yoga will one day be generalized into the human race. So in book 7, 8, 9 and 10, 7 is the Divine Mother's Yoga, 8, 9, 10, we see that souls that have given themselves to the Divine, using them and their body, uh, the Divine Mother, with her armed with the power of love, she takes charge of their destiny and starts changing it. But once these uh, representative human beings, they change and the extent to which they change, automatically it is going to have an impact upon the earth, starting with a uh, few uh, evolved human beings to the coming of Superman and ultimately to the coming of a new race, a race of supramental beings upon earth. So this entire plan is sketched out in Savitri and we'll just read a few passages today from uh, volume 33 which is part 1. So here we see book 1, canto 1 and canto 2. Uh, Shubhinda is just introducing us like a sutradhar to the story. So book 1, Canto 1 is that dawn is coming and he is using this dawn as a symbol. It is the day when 
Satvan is destined to die. So Narad has prophesied, and the day of prophecy has come. So you can we can imagine what would be the state of Savitri, who knows that this what is going to happen, and yet Savitri is not running about. She is not restless. She is not uh, seeking help from here and there from every human being, but she remains steadfast in her own truth and what she has discovered. She knows today is the day when she has to take the challenge of death. At the same time, through this symbol, Shivendra speaks very beautifully that after every night, there is the dawn. So night is not the beginning or the end. Night intervenes in between. And each dawn opens the doors to a new progress. So we can progress every day step by step. So if we look at life, we can look at it like that, that night intervenes and then dawn comes. But each dawn is a step forward. It's not a repetition of what has gone behind us. So this is how Savitri starts, a grand opening on the cosmic stage where we see, uh, Shubhendra describes the dawn, which the dawn of creation, the dawn when um, the whole process starts of earth waking up to the supreme possibility and it is also the day when Satyavan must die and therefore Shubhendra introduces to us Savitri. Savitri wakes up among the rest of humanity which is still asleep. Then others also wake up and he describes this two kind of humanity. One which is marked to bear the suffering and pain and other which is marked to conquer, not just for oneself but for others. So those who are marked for suffering and pain, they run after the apparent joys. They are lured by things which they can get outwardly. And that's, uh, you know, Shobindo describes very beautifully and Savitri to evoke among the tribes um, and who are these tribes? Uh, she responds to the brilliant Samanar's chant. We will just read just a little passage from there. How he introduces to us Savitri. This is on page 6. And Savitri too awoke among these tribes that hastened to join the brilliant Samanar's chant. So there are so many ways he has uh, addressed uh, everything in creation. So brilliant Samanar is the sun. Our sun doesn't call us, but it calls us. Every day when we wake up, there is a fresh energy, a new energy, and a scope of opening doors to a new possibility. But the difference is, and lured by the beauty of the apparent ways, acclaimed their portions of ephemeral joy. What happens to ordinary humanity? It wakes up every day in the morning, and then it goes back to the old joys. Today I'll have this little success, this little money, this little appreciation, this uh, little gain. That's how average humanity spends most of its time, running after profit and running away from failures. And therefore it is caught in this web of duality. If you seek profit, loss is going to come. If you seek success, failure is round the corner. This is the way the scales, it's like a seesaw. That's how life is organized. So you have to go beyond both. If you do, this is the trick, otherwise you are just playing the seesaw. So these are one type, but Savitri, akin to the eternity when she came, no part she took in this small happiness. So she's not speaking those seeking those little joys that come in life. What is she seeking? A mighty stranger in the human field. The embodied guest within made no response. The call that wakes the leap of human mind. Its checkered, eager motion of pursuit, its fluttering, huge illusion of desire, 
illusion of desire. I want things. I wish for things. You get it and you lose it. Savitri knows it all. Visited her heart like a sweet alien note. It comes to her. But she knows this is not what I am here for. I am not here like others to just fulfill my desires. It touches her like a sweet note. But it's an alien note because she has come for something else. Time's message of brief light was not for her. In her, there was the anguish of the gods. Imprisoned in a transient human mold, the deathless conquered by the death of things. So she has come with a special purpose, special mission. How beautifully Shivabindo introduces to us Savitri. In Canto 2, the issue, he puts ultimately what is the issue of human life. So normally we say it's about earning, it's about position, about money, none of these. It's about roti, kapda, maka, no. It's about somehow managing life, survival of the fittest, no. All that is not the real issue. What is the issue? Life is moving forward, it's wanting to evolve and progress towards manifesting the divinity within it. But at the same time, its past holds it, drags it backward. So this past which holds it backward, drags it backward is the chain of karma. All that we have been doing till now is, is like fetters. And there is in us also a forward propulsion. But this which is behind holds us back, doesn't let us advance. And by behind, um, it's meant that all our ways of looking at life, understanding life, thinking life, feeling about life, responding to things, reacting to things. So it holds us back. But uh, Savitri is born to change this scale. So this scale, what we see normally, and that is described beautifully in this canto, that... Um, yes, on page... 17 To wrestle with the shadow she had come And must confront the riddle of man's worth And life's brief struggle To dumb matters In dumb matters night Whether to bear with ignorance and death Like most human beings They just accept This is fate I can't help it they become a slave to their past, to their habits, to their tendencies. So whether to bear with ignorance and death or you the ways of immortality, to win or lose the godlike game for man was her soul's issue, thrown with destiny's dice. So the Divine Mother is with on our side always. On the side of all that is beautiful, on the side of progress, on the side of efflorescence. On our side doesn't mean that you know, in us, those downward tendency. But she's wanting to pull us all the time out of that. So, she is playing uh, against destiny on our behalf. But not to summit and suffer was she born. To lead, to deliver was her glorious part. And then he describes what human life is ordinarily. Here was no fabric of terrestrial make. Fit for a day's use by busy, careless powers. An image fluttering on the screen of fate, half animated for a passing show or a castaway on the ocean of desire. She says, this is not what she was here for. A creature born to bend beneath the yoke. A chattel and a plaything of time's lords. A conscious frame was here. A self-born force. 
And what is that force? It is described in the issue. We'll just read a little bit of that and then we'll take the other things. So, uh, what is this force that Savitri has got with her? And Shubindu describes it beautifully. Love in her was wider than the universe. The whole world could take refuge in her single heart. This is the power that she has got. What vastness. Love in her was wider than the universe. So basically to harbor this love we have to grow very vast. We can't just be selfishly preoccupied with our own little life and those, you know, our little circle of family and friends. The great unsatisfied Godhead here could dwell, love. Vacant of the dwarf heirs, imprisoned, dwarf selves imprisoned here. Her mood could harbor his sublimer breath. So when, if we want to embody that power of love, we have to become vast. And what is smallness? Smallness is fear, doubt. Why? Because we are concentrated on our little self. And what is vastness? When we think about that which is vast, the divine, the great work for which we are here. And we work towards that. So this is the power she has got. So this book 1, Canto 1 and 2, from book 1, Canto 3, Shubhinda introduces Ashupati and the rest till the end of book 3. Is all about the yoga of Ashupati and why he undertakes the yoga. We have heard about mystics showing us the path out of this earthly life. So this is a very important point people often fail to understand when they compare traditional yoga and Shabindra's yoga. To start with, and often I have been also asked this question several times. So the question is that if you want liberation, mukti, there are many paths. Pick up any of them, it doesn't matter. But transformation is only and only on one path. And that is Shurabindu's yoga. Till now, no one has spoken about transformation. So let's be very clear of that. There is no question of comparing two things which are completely different in their aims. Processes, you may find similarity and differences. But the important thing is we must be conscious of what we want. So those souls which only want to escape from earthly life, there are plenty of things. Those souls, weak souls, who want only worldly goods, they don't need to take up yoga. <laughs> they will have Babaji's, we will grant them wishes. Okay, you will have this, you will have that. Anyways, they can even have those wishes by labor and hard work. But if one wants something greater than either worldly goods or the other worldly lure for salvation, then there is Shubhindu's Yoga where one no more for anything selfish because transformation cannot be an individual transformation. Escape can be individual. But transformation by its very nature implies change of earthly life. If I live in Pondicherry, I can't say I'll follow my own law. People will say, okay, you go away from Pondicherry. Escape is possible. But if I live in Pondicherry and I want to follow a greater law, the very laws of Pondicherry must change. So that's how it is about earth, that the laws of earth must change. And there are souls who are born for that. And the mother uses the word heroic souls. She says, Shubhinda says that they are the mightiest of souls have never been satisfied till all suffering around them ceases. So this is what Ashapati is. He, he starts his yoga from a very high point, not just for individual escape, but for the transformation of earthly life. So we see many steps and stages. First, there is of course, one must be freed from ignorance. You can't help anyone if you are yourself drowning. So if you are caught in the uh, 
mud and you are sinking <laughs> you can't tell this somebody else uh, who is also caught in the mud hey you do this he will say first you save yourself so first step is liberation from ignorance it means discovering your true self that's the minimum and then of course this uh, we see book 1 canto 5 where we see a new possibility opening before ashpati uh, when he is freed from ignorance and this where his yoga begins to part from traditional yogas the yoga of the spirit's freedom and greatness he sees that man and creation is not meant just to escape it is meant to bringing out the divine possibility inside to manifest the divine and the virus of ambition the virus of outer success is the one which has distracted us the real thing is to manifest the divine will upon earth and once ashapati knows this it is very interesting that on page 76 a will a hope immense now seized his heart and to discern the superhuman's form he raised his eyes to unseen spiritual heights and a few lines below you see the our problem is uh, on one side we have uh, everything that contradicts our highest aspiration and yet we have the aspiration none of us can i mean any awakened human being has a kind of idealism he may not know how to really realize it but has that ideal but when he looks around life everything seems to contradict the ideal so either he can he makes a cho- most people will pactize ah ideals are there but they are all meant for stories and fairy you know fairy land stories uh, but real life practical life is this that is how most human beings as they grow older they lose this sense of idealism which is there in in youthfulness the other kind who say okay i live in the ideal but lose complete hold of earthly realities so when it is crashed they don't understand why it happens so shubhendu used this term for his vedanta as realistic advaita meaning thereby ideal must be manifested and in manifesting that ideal because ideal is in the heights of the minds and you know it's easy to have an ideal but when it comes to real life there are challenges to the ideal now how to manifest that challenge is the real enigma of human life so here shubhendu says that beautifully the ideal must be nature's common truth the body illumined with the indwelling god what's the use of just saying that god is within if the body is weak it is subject to disease and disintegration now this is the aspiration new aspiration that shobindo plants upon earth the heart and mind feel one with all that is a conscious soul live in a conscious world so this is the new aspiration which ashwapati brings and then entire yoga is towards not just self realization but to free even the body from its bondage to ignorance and death why because body is uh, emerging from the inconscient so it is subject to all the darkness it's very easily invaded by darkness it's uh, it's the one can almost say the fortress through which you know all these uh, creatures enter but if we grow in soul strength and begin to impress this power of the soul upon the body upon the mind upon the life then we will see that eventually they too will mold themselves so this is what ashpati is in search of and there in book 1 canto 4 we have the secret knowledge where he uh, discovers 
all these secrets and the possibility of this greater life he also sees that this is going to be regardless and often when things are the darkest it is the preparation for the greatest dawn so that's how the new creation will emerge thus when the mass transcendent mounts his throne when darkness deepens strangling the earth's breast and man's corporeal mind is the only guide as a thief in the night shall be the covert tread of one who steps unseen into his own house a voice ill heard shall speak the soul obey a power into minds in a chamber steal and look what he says next a charm and sweetness open life's closed doors and beauty conquer the resisting world what marvelous life this obviously not just out of beauty it's the beauty of the soul which must eventually conquer the resisting world so ashapati find this and then his yoga takes a wonderful route that route we see ashapati charts out from in book 2 we see is the traveler of the world it's a wonderful book because we travel with shirobindo we can imagine that we are in a uh, spacecraft but this spacecraft will take us intergalactic travel <laughs> so it takes us through the galaxy shows us everything that is there in creation from the abyss to the heights but uh, ashapati is not content only with the ideal manifesting in his body alone he now wants what he has uh, earned by his tapasya he wants for earth and men and that is the beauty of shirobindo his compassion he could have gone ahead with his transformation transformed his bodily life by isolating himself but that's not what he wanted he wants all of us to share that spirit's joint liberty so in book 3 ashpati knows that this can only be done by the power and grace of the divine mother taking a human body Uh, shobindo says that this uh, all the experiences of ashpati are shobindo's own experiences and he says that very clearly in one of his letters he says before the mother when somebody asked what was the mother's contribution to your yoga and sadhana he says that before the mother's coming i could help myself but i could not help others but with the coming of the mother this possibility that yes others can be helped and can be changed became very much realizable and that's how we see that the ashram started and uh, book 3 closes with the assurance of the divine mother initially she says it's too early ashwapati don't do it so fast this what must have transpired in shobindo's yoga he wanted the supreme to manifest upon earth and at least a few beings to be ready and the divine mother says must have told him no people are not ready nobody wants transformation people are busy wanting earthly goods or some of them want some escape even those who go to saints who can give liberation still ask for earthly goods so you are asking something for which earth is not ready it's a beautiful canto the vision and the boon where when ashapati is face to face with the divine mother she tells him oh son of strength that's how she addresses ashapati strength comes from tapasya O son of strength who climbs creation speaks no soul is thy companion in the light you are asking for whole of humanity forget about it not even a single human being see look around wants this alone thou standest at the eternal doors what thou hast one is thine but ask no more and then few lines below how shall thou speak for men whose hearts are dumb 
Make purblind earth the soul's seer vision's home or lighten the burden of the senseless globe. If you speak to human being, they will only doubt you. Why do you want to speak for them? They are not ready for this. In powerful words, I am the mystery beyond reach of mind. I am the goal of the travail of the suns. My fire and sweetness are the cause of life. But too immense my danger and my joy. Awake not the immeasurable descent. Speak not my secret name to hostile time. Man is too weak to bear the infinite's weight. Truth, born too soon, might break the imperfect earth. So, when she says this, Ashipati says, No, mother, please come. Because there is urgency. This earth is suffering and groaning. He is the avatar who is representing our state. He says, yes, maybe after million years it is going to be fulfilled. That's how she closes. She says that above blind fate and the antagonist powers, moveless there stands a high unchanging will. To its omnipotence leave thy works results. All things shall change in God's transfiguring hour. He says, maybe human beings will go through a few more cycles. They will be speeding up in a few. They will have to go through their own process. And eventually it will manifest. Leave it to that power. But Ashwapati, Sri Aurobindo says, No, Ma, so much suffering is there and uh, so much time humanity has struggled upon earth. So you please come and let the tower be now and there is nothing impossible for you. So that's how we see that in vision of the boon, he invokes the Divine Mother and asks her to come ultimately and he addresses her as, on page 345, we can see, O truth defended in thy secret son. Because she says that, well, truth born too soon might break the imperfect earth. So he is asking her, for you everything is possible. Voice of a mighty musings in shut heavens, on things withdrawn within a luminous depths. O wisdom, splendor, mother of the universe, creatrix, the eternal's artist bride. All these are... Epithets to the mother. Linger not long with thy transmuting hand. Pressed vainly on one golden bar of time. As if time dare not open its heart to God. This is the way we should approach the divine. Nothing is impossible for you. We may not be ready. You can make us ready. And then he says that well. See gods for gods. It's said Brahmaji is one day is million years on earth. So Brahmaji will say just one day. Give me time for a day, but on earth, so much time will pass. So, he says, no. O radiant fountain of the world's delight, world free and unattainable above. O bliss, who ever dwellest deep hid within, while men seek the outside and never find, mystery and muse with heretic tongue, incarnate the white passion of thy force, mission to earth some living form of thee. That is the beauty of the incarnate divine. Because he brings matter and earthly life and the human body in contact with the supreme power. And it, Ashwapati closes with these uh, two, word, two lines. Let a great word be spoken from the heights and one great act unlock the doors of fate. 
And then Shubhendu describes the paradox that his prayer sank down in the resisting night, oppressed by the thousand forces that denied. He is representing man. He is not asking for himself. But human being, don't know it cannot be, how can it be, doubt, distrust, no we don't want that. We want an easy life, we want a comfortable life. Thousand forces that deny. But the Divine Mother sanctions. With this sanction, we will stop and take up part 2 next time. Page 346. It's the sanction of the Divine Mother, her Vardhan. That so will it be. Oh, strong forerunner, I have heard thy cry. Ashupati has pleaded on behalf of all of us. That's why the Mother says we should always be grateful to Sri Aurobindo. To thee who has suffered all, struggled all, hoped all, willed all, achieved all, all for us. Grant that we may never forget, even for a moment, all we owe to thee. So that is the gratitude. O strong forerunner, I have heard thy cry. One shall descend and break the iron law. Iron law is, doom means doom. It is written. Destiny means destiny. Fate means fate. Death means death. A limitless mind that can contain the world is sweet and violent heart of ardent calms moved by the passions of the gods shall come. All mights and greatnesses shall join in her. All the gods and goddesses will dwell in her. Beauty shall walk celestial on the earth. Delight shall sleep in the cloud net of her hair and in a body as on his homing tree immortal love shall beat his glorious wings. This is how we should look upon the Divine Mother. She is the embodiment of all love and grace and light and power and divinity. And what can touch someone who has opened to her? A music of griefless things shall weave her charm the harps of the perfect shall attune her voice. The streams of heaven shall murmur in her laugh. Her lips shall be the honeycombs of God. Her limbs his golden jars of ecstasy. Her breasts the rapture flowers of paradise. She shall bear wisdom in her voiceless bosom. Strength shall be with her like a conqueror's sword. And from her eyes, the eternal's bliss shall gaze. And then these last four lines with which we'll close. What a great tathastu and the great assurance. A seed shall be sown in death's tremendous hour. A branch of heaven transplant to human soil. Nature shall overleap her mortal step. Fate shall be changed by an unchanging will. Fate shall be changed by an unchanging will. Fate shall be changed by an unchanging will. Namaste.